This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and today, well, today I'm pretty freaking delighted to welcome my friend, and like everyone's friend, really. Alex Ponovic, the big guy himself, back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Now, some listeners to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast play a drinking game called the Alex Ponovic Drinking Game, where they take a shot every time Alex's name comes up in an episode. It's funny because of how damn much his name comes up. He's beloved. Be love Ed. And there's no Ponovic persona, as his BFF of 20 years, Tom O'Pennicott, told me in a recent episode. Alex is the real deal. What you see is what you get. Now, on screen, we've had a chance to see a lot of Alex Ponovic recently. Although a lot of what we've seen has broken our damn hearts. We've said goodbye, or have we, to his Bokey the Breachman on Snowpiercer and his Julius the Reformed Vampire turned enhanced human on Van Helsing. And now we have the chance to watch him suffer all chained up in a warehouse and chained. Titus Heckel's brilliant and thrilling feature film about a young teen who finds a shady man chained up in a warehouse next to a dead body and the relationship that develops between them that changes both their lives forever. Changed, Chained, Changed? I don't know why, I just changed the name of the title. It is Chained. Chained is a film about power and masculinity and what can happen when a boy who doesn't normally have any power suddenly has all the power in the world. Alex won the Best Actor Award from the New York International Film Awards for his work in Chained, not Changed, Chained, which is no surprise to me at all because the man gets to be at once volatile and vulnerable in this role. And I'm no Alex Ponovic, but I'm assuming that's pretty hard to do. Alex is currently a nominee for a 2021 Leo Award for his work as Shady Colonel Slater in season two of Narcoleap, a show in which he gorgeously verbally spars with one of my BFFs, Nicole Oliver, who's also nominated for a 2021 Leo Award for her work on Narcoleap. Hi, Nicole. Also, Alex just told me he made a Zoom movie with Sir Anthony Hopkins. The first movie that Sir Tony worked on after, or that is coming out, I guess, after winning his Academy Award. So that's a pretty big deal for the big guy. So today, well, I know it's early, but I'm going to crack this White Claw and drink alongside those fans who play the Alex Ponovic drinking game. 
and toast to my friend, the first guest to ever appear on the YVR's Green Scene podcast, while we discuss the joys and challenges of the life of Vancouver's beloved big man, Mr. Alex Ponovic. Mr. Alex Ponovic, oh welcome back <laughs> to the YVR's Green Scene podcast. And I've said your name a few times, so... Oh, you drink up. I love it. What an intro. Gee, I, now I, re I absolutely remember the first time you did an intro on the very first <laughs> podcast. I had to kind of shake my head a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, that was amazing. Way better than I am. I love it. <laughs> it's not. You know what? Listen, I got a bone to pick. It's not even a bone. Oh. But you are... Like, I, I guess my question is, do you have any idea... And you should if you've listened to any of the podcasts. But what people feel about you and think about you, and I've only had one sip, and I'm feeling all, like, drunk and emotional already. But, you know, your name comes up all the time because you are the real deal. Like, Tomo described you as a person who brings people together, you know? And, like, do you know how people see you? So, such an interesting thing. I've always, fe I've always felt like that was... You know, like you, you look around at people and everyone has a picture of people's ideas and, you know, how they thrive. And if you have a positive attitude in life, you're looking at people going, you know, and finding all the positives in them. And maybe sometimes none of the positives are like that you you actually exude. So I really love learning from people and, and their energies. And, and I've always felt like that was something that I but I never made it as a. Um, like, I, I, it's so weird. I never thought it, it landed on people, what I was feeling. I just, mm. I just wanted to receive and go, oh, oh I love that. I'm going to try to use some of that and try to use some of that. I'm not a negative person. I'm, I'm mostly a negative person in my own brain. Like, I mm. go through a lot of, you know, and I, and I saw, you know, a really great friend of mine, Dan Payne, recently come out on mental health and, and it was a very brave thing to do. And, it, and I, I totally understand what he goes through and what he feels. And it's, it, I don't like to call it an illness or, 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 or like something that's, um, that, that can't be fixed. Like those relationships that you build and you just, every day, it's, it's like going to the gym and you got to keep on working on the muscles to, to have it sustainable. And so Dan Payne opening it up and, and, you know, I, I, I understand that aspect. So I really appreciate people around me. But when people around me give me that love, but some days you're not feeling it yourself, it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to accept. And I've really learned in the past, you know, 10 years to really understand what your gifts are. And this is one of the things that I just gravitate towards. It's not like I, I, I worked at it. It was more of, it was instilled in me with my mom and my brother and you know, even my dad, like those, those were the type of energies that I gravitated towards. I was never much of a, of a school dude. Mm. I, I was more bringing people together and a team together. And I, you know, I was just saying in an interview the other day when somebody asked me about being nominated, I, I love being nominated for something, but it's, it's never to the extent of a personal thing. It's always, this whole team worked so hard now we get more eyes on it just because of my nomination. Mm. People are going to be talking about that film. So the, so the DP can go, hey, yeah, my buddy was nominated for this film that I did called Chained and people get interested and want to watch his work. That's what really gets me. So the nomination is, I don't feel it as a personal thing. It's like, oh man, my name got people talking about the film again. And that's what, that's what always has been a, a, a joy for me. And I think 
you know, everything that you've said and how people react to me, it's, it's exactly how I would hope. And you don't know if it received the way you would hope it would receive. And when you hear it, that it does, it just brings so much, so much joy. You know what I love about your answer too is that I was asked like asking you about people complimenting you. You still managed to big up Dan Payne, your family, like all these other people when talking about, you know, people like commenting on how awesome you are. So Alex Ponovic, gonna have a drink. Staying awesome. Um, Alex, how are you? I'm I'm awesome. Yeah. I'm awesome. I mean, but COVID and um, you know, I've I've been really fortunate to work to work through this, um, through this time, like Van Helsing was one of the first productions that started yeah. when, when, uh, when COVID hit. And then, um, you know, I, I went to the U S for like seven months to work and very kind of like uh, condensed aspect because of COVID. And then we finished up Snowpiercer. So I've been, and Narcoleap we shot during COVID. Yeah. So I've been really, really, um, thankful that I've been working, but it has been, it definitely takes a toll. Like when I was in Atlanta, um, I had nobody there. And then I'm, and I'm going, you know, Atlanta wasn't really, uh, it, it was as if COVID didn't exist. Barely anybody had masks. Things were open. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to be the guy that shuts down production by just going out. So it was, it was one of those things where I just kept to myself. I tried to stay positive. I had a few down moments and the dream of, you know, working on a, on a, I can't really talk about the project. I'll tell you okay. offline. Yeah. I can't talk about it. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was my brain. You're supposed to go, this is, this is amazing. This is the big, biggest gig of my career. Yeah. And it didn't, fe it didn't feel that way just because of the restrictions and how we, we, how we were doing things. And I'm all about the safety and that comes first, but it was definitely challenging to get through those moments. So the, you know, COVID was, you know, it was a mental game, like staying on top and checking in with friends and people. And are you okay? Do you need anything? And you know, that consistency of, you know, a year and a half was, was, was tough, but I, you know, half. I couldn't even, yeah. right. And I can't, I, I couldn't even imagine, I couldn't even imagine not doing anything in that time. I was lucky to be able to do stuff, but, uh, I definitely would. I, I definitely am thankful for friends and family and people checking in, and and, and that's why I wanted to. And um, wait, so you didn't yeah, bake bread and watch Tiger King like the rest of us at the beginning? Oh, oh at the beginning, I definitely did all of that. It was okay, you know good. what it was to me <laughs> at the very beginning. It was I. I told Tom all this. It was one of those things where you know when you're when you're not when things are normal when life is normal and you're not doing anything. And as an actor and independent employer, and you're always get, going out to auditions, you want to stay busy. You can't just sit. It's hard to just sit because you feel like you need to do stuff. And when this happened and the world just stopped, Oh my God, the chips came out. Tiger King came out. And I was like, I don't have to worry about anything for a bit. I'm on vacation. And then, and then, you know, I didn't want to be on vacation for a year and a half, but yeah. it was, uh, it was definitely the big, the, the moments in the beginning was, were, were very much um, indulgent. So do you think Carol Baskin did it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm waiting for the sequel till they find out. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't even know where I want to go next because I know with you, like, I just, I feel like I need to 
keep to a plan with you because I also know we could go off in every direction. And there are some projects that I really do want to make sure we talk about. So let's begin talking about, you got your finger up. What is that finger? Yeah, this, this finger just means Alex Ponovic. Oh shit. Got a drink. (laughs) I have not spent the pandemic drinking. Um, and I actually have not been drinking very much, but when I drink, even if it's something like a white claw or a neutral, whatever, it hits me really fast. So I just want to feel what the Alex Ponov, what the Cuddle Puddle Nation, what Colleen feels when she yes, listens yes. To, the, to the podcast yes. episodes that feature your name. Um, <laughs> okay, let's talk about change. I don't want to be so blitzed mm-hmm. talking about change because uh, okay. there's a lot to this film. This film operates on quite a few different levels. On one level, it's really entertaining. It's surprising. I I didn't know what to expect going in. It wasn't what I expected. It doesn't remind me of any other film. uh, And I was surprised the whole way. But then there's also like this kind of implicit but not explicit racial overtone. Um, you know, because uh, the character of Taylor is a young black man who is keeping a giant white man chained in a warehouse. And I've watched it through the lens of somebody who lived through 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess, like, let's go back to when this script appeared in your hands. How did it get there? And why did you ultimately want to do this project and this role? It's so interesting. I I was kind of... Um, saying no to a lot of auditions at that time leading up to, I think I I knew it was going to lead up towards Christmas and I was working on another show at the time. And I just really wanted, I just wanted to chill. So unless it was something that really grabbed me, I I was saying no to quite a few uh, projects. And this one, this one came across and it was like five pages that I couldn't figure out. I was literally going, I, I don't know what this is. It's so interesting. And it sounds so thick. Um, it was so heavy, but we didn't have the script. We just had the sides. And I called a buddy of mine, Lane Edwards. And Lane and I were just running it. And he was helping me with the, the scene. And I was, I was talking to Andrew McElroy, who was my acting coach at times, and who was just phenomenal. And we were just trying to figure out a way for me to tell this story without having all the information. And, and it just dropped in. I felt like I kind of knew this character or I knew the intention of this character. And then um, I met uh, Rochelle and Titus. Uh, uh, Titus is the director and Rochelle's a producer in the audition room. And then we wanted to work it some more. So we worked it with Marlon on the chemistry read. And it was, uh, it was just really interesting because Marlon was, who plays Taylor, Marlon was quite, um, taken aback. Um, I don't think he wanted to audition on a Saturday or to mm-hmm. like do a chemistry read on a Saturday, which was great for me because it everything in me. Because he's a to kid, connect. right? He's a kid, right? Right. <laughs> and and for and for me, honestly, for me, I wasn't crazy about auditioning on the Saturday. But what I loved about it is that we worked did this chemistry read in mm-hmm. Titus's house, not in an audition. Uh, spot so there yeah. was life life in the room you know the couch and everything had life in it yeah. and so connecting with him on uh, one of the audition pieces it was literally about you know Jim connecting with Taylor and but it was it, it, the bigger picture was I was just trying to connect with Marlon yeah. 
Yeah. And with him him being a little standoffish, it was it was it was great, and I just really enjoyed that um, that psychological idea of how can I get him on my side? How can I get through to this kid? Knowing my end result is to get out, to get unlocked off these cha- chains and get out. And him teaching me stuff along the way. Yeah. So that audition process to me, um, and talking to t- Titus, who is just a phenomenal writer and director, and Rochelle, who just kept everything together. Um, it was something that I was like, I, I really hope this works out where I can shoot this because it was a story that I never got to tell. I've been in situations in film where I have been chained up and I am that big gorilla brute. And this wasn't that, that there was so many levels to this character and the psychological aspect of this character and, and why he's doing what he's trying to do. And, you know, later on you realize what the reality is, but the idea of, of working with this young man um, in a very actor setting and connecting and having trust because there's a lot of physicality between him and I. So we, we really wanted to establish trust with each other. Um, and when I felt that from him right off the top, I was just like, ah, this is, this is it. But it, the story, 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 that's what got me in. Yeah. And I'm not going to give people spoilers because they could actually go right now and watch this on yes. VOD and uh, right super channel right now, pause the podcast, go and watch, but come and then come back right after. Okay, welcome back. I'm still not telling you spoilers because I know that not everybody has watched it. But, you know, I'm curious about because, you know, you talked about like, you know, working in that actor's setting as actors with a young man who, I mean, it's like a young teenager, like a young teenager, right? How do you go there as Jim while acting opposite a very young person? Like, was there ever the inclination to hold back at all? Because it, you are talking to somebody who is very recently a child. You know, how do you navigate mm-hmm. that as an actor? I, again, his parents are fantastic and they were there the, the whole time. And just having that, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's still, it's still make-believe, it's still a film, but we have to be as truthful as possible. And so, having those conversations with him of you know what what are you comfortable with how hard can i like grab you what what is good like hand on like what is the stuff that are you're cool with and if somebody goes you know whatever happens as long as i don't get hurt whatever happens happens yeah. and so you know especially coming from a boxing background i know how to spar in a way where it'll look vicious but it's it doesn't it doesn't hurt it's just about speed so that's the biggest thing um, just coming from that background, it's all, it's all about speed and then the grab. And so we really concentrated on what was okay for each other. And then we threw the book away and we just went and respected each other's space. So it was, um, he, he, it was just great to communicate with, with a young kid like that, that understood those, those guidelines. Because a lot, again, the last thing you, you would want to do is uh, disrespect or even or even get a young actor to not want to do this anymore because he was treated in such a way. And I could sit back and go, you know, it's for the film. You're going to thank me later. Uh, no, it's supposed to be cool. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, it, I just wanted him to have a great experience, but, it, and I also wanted most of the things to be as vicious as they could when, when we were getting physical and when I was getting vocal. Yeah. Now, I'm sure that if I were to talk to, Mar- to Marlon, that he would have a lot to say that he learned from you, I'm assuming, because you're Alex Ponovic. 
But I'm wondering what you learned from him doing this film. Oh, that's a great question. Honestly, I'd like to have it. I mean, at least one, at least one great question. <laughs> You're going to have quite a few. I, I, I honestly loved how he was extremely prepared, but how chill he was for a guy his age to be, um, not wasn't stressed out. He was literally like soaked in the character. He was super dedicated. Um, you know, I, th I think what I learned from him was how to relax, you know, as somebody that was pretty green and you kind of get caught up and like, okay, okay, here we go. We got it. We, we got how much time we got to nail it. Yeah. And, uh, and he was always this even like he dog whispered me. I told one of the producers, like, I just felt like he dog whispered me. It was just like, okay. All right. So I'd be, I'd be like, okay, let's make sure we get over here. And I'll look over at him and he's chill. He's like, Okay. Yeah, we'll get over there. Yeah. So it it was uh, he dog whispered a few times, and and you know, he just reminds you of of what you should be keeping up, which is how prepared he was, um, talking about character and and using his own choices, and it was just great to see someone someone in that pocket. Yeah, and it's cool to hear that about somebody so young, because you know that like he has such a great foundation to move forward in this industry. And this wasn't his first role. I mean, this is a no. a, a, a busy young actor, so I'm excited yeah. to see where he's gonna go. Let's talk about race. Um, you know, in the implicit but not explicit racial overtones um, that are present, you know, because it's not lost mm -hmm. on, on me. Like, you know, when, when you look at history, when you look at specifically American history, you know, you, like you think of somebody being chained, you think of a black person, you know, under slavery, mm -hmm. right? This is a situation where, you know, the person who is in charge of, of the, like, it's a white person chained up and it's a, it's a young mm -hmm. black boy who literally holds the key. Um, what kind of conversations did you have on set about race and power, you know, in the context of young black boy, big white chained up man? Right. So again, I'm going to say a great question. Thank you. I should have a drink when and you say that too. <laughs> what was really interesting is and I, and I love that you brought it up because it was literally an unspoken thing on mm -hmm. set. We didn't want to give each other any information. He, he, I, I, there was a moment where I think we looked at each other. Uh, no, I know. I mean, at least how I received it, that we knew what, what this meant, you know, mm -hmm. and um, obviously a lot, a, a, a lot more um, potent to, to Marlon's character but I knew what it was. And I, you know, I had a little bit of, um, I think it's Tom Hollander in uh, 10 Years a Slave, where he plays, who was it who, in 10 Years a Slave who played the, 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 the slave driver? And he was so, so vicious, so venomous. I'm Googling. Um, that it was so uncomfortable. Like you almost sit there going, I don't- Fassbender? Was, ever... was that Fassbender? Fassbender, Fassbender, yeah. yeah. And I, like with Fassbender, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know if I would want to do this in a yeah. role. But he played it so convincingly because you need that guy in the film to show what what, what um, the trials and tribulations were. Um, and so I really took a little piece out of that. And for, for me, I just really wanted to convey 
um, not not a role reversal, but but the energy of a white person in the collar. And, and now it's not even about color anymore for him. But yeah. before it was, you know, so I think it, it, we just had this we just had this energy of of we're going to go to the, go to the brink of this and go as far as we can and and see where that lands. Mm-hmm. We just didn't want to we just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, we wanted to feel it and let you me be on my side, just like if it was back in the day, you're on your side, I'm on my side. And let's see if we can come up with something. And I, I honestly felt like if there was like a moment to talk about it because we were missing it. Um, I definitely would have done that, but I just felt we were doing exactly what we were supposed to be doing. So we, let's just not talk about it. Yeah. Now this film has been a favorite um, for critics and for audiences and mm-hmm. screened all over the place. Um, has there been anything in either the reviews or, you know, just in the general response to the film that has surprised you? Oh, that it surprised me. I feel like, um, nothing's really, it may, it's a, it's a thought provoking piece. Mm. And, and I love, I love the idea where people don't know they're on the train and they're trying to figure out what's going on. That to me is very exciting. And other people have different interpretations of it. I, I, I love the, I love the fact when people, you know, find that toxic masculinity in there of, of you know, you, you have to change, change the cycle. There has to be a change of cycle for someone. And, um, and that's super important within, a, you know, a family. And, you know, I had a, a few people just really appreciated the, the uh, love, the tenderness that was in there, but also the brutalness that was in the film oh, that yeah. really showed a, showed, a, showed a family dynamic also. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just, it was just, everyone's got their their thing and it's it's really nice to see because on, honestly there has been a a few uh, no one's really put the the um um the race into it the way you just said it um in that context which to me was oh my god she really she totally got the yeah that's yeah. so interesting that that they didn't because that is just so uh apparent, right it is it is so apparent i mean and frankly if if it had been cast in a different way. And if it was a young white boy and, uh, and a black man, you know, it would have changed the dynamic of the film completely, you know? Um, And I I will also say that uh, one of, one of our finest, our city's finest actors, uh, Adrian Holmes uh, is also in the film and uh, he appears, he appears as Taylor's dad. um, Mm -hmm. This, you know, w- present with his own kind of toxic masculinity uh, as well. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say without saying spoilers. So I'm just going to tell people know. to watch the film, you know, and then tweet at us what you think, you know, and yeah. uh, if- Any questions? <laughs> any, any questions? questions? <laughs> but mostly accolades. We want, we want the, uh, we want the <laughs> accolades. Um, yeah. uh, and Adrian, Adrian just literally made this thing pop with his relationship and how he handles it with, with, with Taylor. It could be, it could have been very, um, one-sided. Like you, you, you have, you, you know, when a, there's an abusive father, you just look at that and you don't really have a connection with them. Yeah. 
yeah. in, in film sometimes. And, and Adrian took those words and still made it a struggle and lovable. You, you, you still felt for the man as opposed to just being a, 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 a bad man. So yeah. I love that aspect because that's how kids go through it. You don't just, you know, get specifically just get yelled at or quote unquote abused or um, from from a, a parent. There's also love that's thrown in there. And that's why make, it makes it so difficult for mm. a child to understand what's going on because it's mixed up. And I think he played that to a T to, to, to have um, Taylor be in such a, a way of how to handle his life situation. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I think so did you. Awesome. Adrian, for sure. But like, I, I think you did that as well. And that's something that I'm thinking about the characters that you've played in recent years. And I'm wondering if that's a choice on your part about the kind of roles that you take on, or if that's just the nuance that you bring to roles, where a lot of the times these characters that I see you, Jim and Shane included, I'm, you come on screen, I'm like, oh, that's a bad guy. And then, you know, like a few minutes goes by, I'm like, Oh, that's a bad guy, but there's also the good in him. And there's like, so is that like a choice that you're making? He's nodding. No one can see. As I told you, we're an audio podcast, Bonavik. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but is that a choice that you're making then? Because I know early on, like one of the first conversations we had back in like 2013, you were like, I don't want to just be the thumbbreaker, you know, anymore. Yeah. Like, is that, is that the same kind of, does that come from that place? It definitely comes from that place. Just because, like you said, like I understand what I bring to a film and you know, your response is, is like everyone's response is like, okay, here comes the heavy, but I want to tell stories that show the vulnerability and show the love. And, and, and there, those are the only, those are the only reasons why a character makes a decision is because of love. Either mm. it's love. I, I want to keep it or love. I want to give it away. It's never just, I, I just want, if it's just, I want, it's because you want this so much, you yeah. love this and you can't live without it. Those are the decisions as opposed to just being a knuckle breaker and doing a job. I just feel like there's so much life and so many levels in a character. And I, I feel like I love, like I take a piece out of my, my own life and my own experiences into roles because I know what's real. I know how that feels. Yeah. And and so that that's been my goal for the whole time. And in my, the beginning of my career, I had to learn that because, you know, I would get upset when I would see an audition that I was going for and just breaking in the industry where it was, you know, bouncer number two. Mm. It's like, what what can I what can I do in this to make it a little bit more me? And there was times where I, I, I didn't see anything, but I just knew those roles will give me the experience to keep on getting other roles like that with more growth and more experience that I had. I can use other levels um of that character and again you know we're uh acting i'm studying with larry moss taught me that and with Railtown and, and cassini and and uh Ketua, like those guys really showed me that kind of growth and it made me feel like i'm not just telling a story i'm telling my story in these films yeah. oh i love when a guest sets up a segue like that speaking of your story Let's move to a character that I'm assuming in the story of Ponovic would be a whole damn chapter. And that's Julius from Van Helsing. Okay, uh, that's enough of that voice. So, I mean, Van Helsing is wrapping next week when we record this after five glorious seasons. Um, as you mentioned, Van Helsing was the first series to return to filming uh, after the big shutdown in 2020. 
Um, I know that, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler for people. Um, Julius died. Julius died. Um, I've seen people mourning all over the social media. Um, talk to me about the death. Well, let's talk about the end then, Julius's end, and also the end of Van Helsing. How do each one of those, those deaths hit you? How are they hitting you? It's so, it's so interesting because it's been five years yeah. playing this character. And, you know, Neil Butte was a showrunner who I became very good friends with. And Simon Barry was an executive producer and director uh, who we all loved. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and John Walker came in and show ran epically in, in the last few years. So there was already a bunch of, a bunch of love and, and it, we just built a family. And um, so, you know, Van Helsing, it ending is almost, it's almost like your child going off to college type thing. Mm. It's, it's, it's now in the ether as, and I love that sci-fi and Netflix let us do a fifth and final season so we can wrap up all the characters as opposed yeah. to them just going away. Um, that feels like such a closure. And um, the, the idea that, we were allowed to do that with the people that we've, we've been working with. And it was, it was my biggest gig. So it, it, was, it, it wasn't a death as much as a, a rebirth into a different, different move in, uh, in my acting. Because if I didn't have this, I don't think I would be working. I honestly don't. I, uh, this, this was a school unto itself with all the amazing all the amazing creators and writers like Matt, Jeremy, uh, uh, Jackie May, everybody was yeah. was just phenomenal. So when the time came to kill Julius, I, when I read the scene, I just I was I was weeping reading the scene, yeah. and I just felt like that's exactly the way he needs to go. He needs to go out protecting. That's how we always wanted to go out. We had discussions of, you know, when when vampire Julius turned to human Julius, mm -hmm. he, he remembered everything that he did as a vampire and that's not who he is. So he needs to write, write his wrong. And if it means going out on his shield, um, protecting someone, that's exactly how he wants to go out. So, so for them to write it, ah, uh, it was such a gift. And there was a moment where we were about to shoot the death scene and I have to change hair and makeup and I'm walking from my trailer and I can see the cranes all moving. We're in this, we're in this church, all the trucks behind, wardrobe, everyone's working at a hundred percent. And as I was walking, I just needed a second and I took myself away and there was a little hill so I can look down at everything. And I, mm. and I had, a, had a nice little cry mm. of, a, of a tribute. Like I don't want to forget this moment because it, it's, it, I just want it to last with me. I still smell the, 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 the trees and there was wind blowing. I still remember all of that. And just having that final moment with one of the most epic acting experiences or just life experiences of my life was this show. Yeah. So it, it was, it's sad, but it's also like we did it. Like we did five years. Anybody can watch this show from season one to season five and have a completed story. There's no holes and that that's what really kind of brings so much joy to me that that I did it. And, and this is this is something like from when I first started, because, as you know, I started late in this yeah. in this job, in this career. 
So when I was a teenager and watching something like MASH was one of my favorite shows and having that, yeah. And having that end, I remember how emotional I got watching that end and, and those characters are going to be now gone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. With the helicopter I'm taking there. off. Like, I'm there. You could see all of the, all, all of the rocks spelling out, you know, goodbye yeah. on the ground. Ah! Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And but that was that to me was that that, that to me was a thing because they got to wrap it up. It didn't, yeah. didn't just get canceled, and so that's how I felt with this. That's why it was so emotional for me. But but are you mourning? Mourning? Oh, I I, de I definitely am. I, I I was mourning for the whole year. Like I was, you know, even with the death scene coming up, I just wanted to give it so much tribute and be, be as pre present as I can. And 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 Kia who who's in the scene with me mm. was so lovely and so beautiful during that whole thing. And we just kept it in between takes. We just held each other and we just kept on looking at each other and talk, telling how proud we are of each other. And it just kept on getting emotional. So that to me, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to miss the people and miss the fun. I love one of the things I love the most about being that um, integral to a show Everyone loves to be, everyone loves to be a massive part of a show. That's what mm -hmm. we want to be a part of. I was fortunate to have that. And one of the reasons why I love that is I love welcoming people on set. I love new people coming on in, into the dressing room where I can chat with them, talk to them, give them, give them confidence, give them like, because they're basically coming into our house as a yeah. guest and they're, you know, what can I say? What can I not say? sometimes because I know I did that when I was going on to people's shows yeah. and there was experiences I had with other people's shows that that I was like I just want to get out of here no one like I feel invisible no one wants to talk to me the lead the lead just walked by and didn't even say hi I'm like what is going on and Jared and Jensen from Supernatural are the best hosts and yeah. that's what and they made me feel like I was a part of the team and that's what I wanted to do for this show I really wanted the gaffers, um, you know, the camera ops to extras, I, to guest stars. I just, when I was there, I just wanted people to feel amazing. So yeah. we get amazing product. So yeah, so I'm definitely going to miss it. Yeah. Now, I, I also reference in my intro, the fact that, I mean, those of us who love you, we've had to watch you die a lot. Um, and this year has been kind of hard because we've had to watch you be tortured and also die. I um, mean, you you died on Van Helsing and also on Snow Snowpiercer. Um, although I have seen some trains of thought. Trains of thought. Can, do I take a drink if good. I make a bad pun? No, that was not good. That was like a dad joke kind of good. Mm. <laughs> um, nice. But there are people who are like, oh, no, he's not really gone, you know, and now he's in the part of the train where there's like the, the other people who like betrayed. Anyway, I don't know what's going to happen. Don't even, I'm not going to look at you in case you're indicating what's going to happen. But watching like the, these post-apocalyptic shows hit different during mm -hmm. COVID, during the pandemic. And it hits in a kind of way that it's like, I enjoy them more now, weirdly. <laughs> like, mm. like, what do you think? Like, have you experienced that at all? Like, as somebody who's been, who has quite a number of these shows, you know, under your belt, like, going through this, the pandemic has changed the flavor of these shows somehow. That's so funny. So funny how you say that, because Tom and I were talking about it when, when COVID first hit. <laughs> I love Tom was the best, because he's like, okay, listen, 
We're going to go up to my cabin. We're going to get a bunch of food. We're going to get a little like he was ready for World War Three. He was yeah. ready to go. And survivalist. And at yeah. First. Right. And at first you're going, hey, 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 relax. He goes, oh, OK, will you be saying that when I'm the only one with ammo and people trying to steal my stuff? I went, all right, point taken. And as time went on, you started going. Then the toilet paper started thing happening. I went, maybe he's on to something. And, and maybe this is where it starts. <laughs> and um, so as I was watching the shows or even being part of the shows, it drops in a little bit deeper of like, this now is possible. You know, before before the pandemic, it was just a uh, fantasy. It was a fairy tale. Like, it, you know, we're not in a part of the world that will ever see that. Mm. And when we experience that here, and, and, you know, the stuff that was, were happening at supermarkets, um, Tom, Tom was really, Tom's point really hit home. And I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah, here we go. Watching something. And <laughs> with, even with Snowpiercer, you're going, this act, this, even though it won't happen exactly like this, something like this could definitely happen. So it definitely did live closer to home and made, made me more invested. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Tomo because I did have mm -hmm. him here in the Zoom room. And uh, first of all, happy anniversary. Your friend anniversary is coming up 20 years. That's amazing. Yeah. I hope you do yeah. something lovely to celebrate. But he told me something that I found incredibly shocking. And I want to know if, he to if, if you're, you have the same perspective. But he told me, and I guess all, all the listeners, that he didn't take to you right away. Like it was not, it wasn't romance at first sight you no, know we so both were like that really okay so tell me tell yeah. me your side of the story okay <laughs> so i'm the new kid coming in right and i'm older than these guys but this i just felt like very new to acting so you had to audition for the lyric school of acting and kate Twa was our instructor who's amazing who has a a, a, a great place of a great school in Kelowna. And, um, and so I went to audition and did good. And she was like, um, you know, you're, you're not the only big guy in, in class here. Just saying. I'm like, oh, yeah, all good. Yeah, you know, he's a great actor and he's a big guy. So, you know, you're not the only one. I went, yeah, yeah, that's totally great. So everything in me is going, uh, I, I kind of want to be the only big guy here. Like, what the heck? That's my and thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so we got into class and I saw him from across the room. And he saw me, and it was literally two, two Dobermans snipping each other. It was literally that kind of a thing. Mm. Well, we just kind of did one of these, and he did um, the chin thing. He did that chin yeah. thing. That yeah, yeah. He did did the chin thing, you know, and and all, and everybody's so, kind of around Tomo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everybody's around Tomo. The dudes, the girls, everyone's kind of like Tomo is like the personality of the class, and I was kind of like. Fuck that guy, man. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious to me. I mean, yeah. knowing knowing the extent of your love and respect for each other, that's uh Totally. He didn't well, say a oh, fuck that guy. He was more like he just wasn't that into you at the yeah, beginning. I was fuck that guy. Because he was wow. the guy. He was the guy. He was this the guy. Get salty. I hope this is not I hope that you guys are on the same page with this and this isn't like well, no, shit so, out. So, so then, no, not bringing anything up. So then, and it, it didn't take long. It definitely wasn't the first week or something, but we started to talk a little bit. 
and and then slowly like the 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 bravado that each of us had like the kind of puffed up chest as we were talking and then we slowly started getting into talking about fights mm. and and combat that's where it ended for me i was like oh my god this guy oh this is awesome he's a fighter oh and so i then started going from this to like going oh my god he's a successful actor and he's a fighter and a big guy this is i never thought i could tom will help me shed that thing of like um I felt like such an outsider going into class because I was, mm. you know, in in my thirties, six five. No one looked like me. Um, I, am I that American Idol audition where you come in and well, my dad says I can sing, you know, and everybody's like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, and I didn't, I really didn't know at that time. Yeah. But then, then to see six foot four dude, athletic, has a fighting background, a good actor. I, I immediately, and once we started talking about fights, I immediately gravitated towards him. Like, and he's that magnetic, but it took a while for us to get there. But when we really started over time talking about fights, talking about the work and, and you know, he, he invited me out. I really didn't know anybody and you would invite me out with, with his friends. Um, he, be, he became the little big brother to me. Like, like he really, um, and if, you, if anybody knows Tomo, he's a host, he's a huge host. He loves hosting. And that's how that's how our friendship kind of evolved after a few little little pop up incidents that we had. But it uh, it it grew from me really admiring him and, and what he was doing in class and and that he was working and that he was a big guy that could fight it made me feel like I could do it. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful love story. And I hope you both do something that is just reflect representative of who you are as people as big fighting warm people uh, for your 20th anniversary. Although he did say that it wasn't, what? he didn't talk about, oh, we talked about fights and that's it. He actually said that yeah, what did when he you, say? he said that it was when you guys were auditioning for a beer commercial or something. And it was an audition where it, you had to do some improv and you pretend you had to like imagine like that you were carrying your girlfriends on your shoulders or something. Oh my God. I was that totally after remember. you guys talked about fights? Like, I don't know where that falls in your timeline. Maybe it wasn't a simultaneous, oh, we're going to be friends moment. I don't want to cause shit. I, I don't want to cause shit. I no, want to cause no, a little no. bit of shit. What, what, else, what, else, what else did he say, though? What else did he say? <laughs> this was a, he said a lot that. of the same kind of things about you. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, listen, Ponovic, it's all out there on the record. You can listen to it. It's in part two oh of his episodes. There's a I whole totally section dedicated to you. Okay. Yeah. I totally forgot about the, that, that part. Okay. Okay. I love it. That's awesome. Um, when, before I hit record, you were talking about that you filmed a Zoom movie with an Academy Award winner who is also one of your friends, Tony, also known as Sir Anthony Hopkins. Um, what can you tell? So the film is Zero Contact, uh, and yeah. it was filmed in the earliest days of the pandemic. What can you, what can you tell us about that? Because, you know, now I'm feeling well, like maybe I, did, I wasn't as productive. I shouldn't have been watching all that Tiger King and eating all the sourdough, <laughs> although good times. <laughs> It's a good time. Um, yeah, it's it's with uh, Enderby Productions. Rick Dugdale, who's a producer I worked with before mm. on an Anthony Hopkins film called Blackway, and he directed this film. Um, and Cam 
Cam wrote this film and uh, we just got together on a Zoom and just jammed and, and Rick kind of cast people from around the world. There was basically six main characters from different parts of the world doing their Zoom because everyone was in quarantine. Uh, it's not a film about quarantine. It's it's a film about trying to connect and 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 um, Anthony Hopkins plays Finley Hart, who's almost like this eccentric Elon Musk, seventy year old Elon Musk type thing, and he he ends up um, he he needs these codes put together to save this um, quantum leap time machine, and so we all try to figure it out from there. And it's re it's really exciting, and it's a really great script that was written. But to be there, be on Zoom, and having everyone watching you, then everybody go goes on mute, and then the AD is the reader of of the scene that I'm doing, and I'm just I, just acting through it. So I had a couple GoPros hooked up in here, had a drone flying outside. I had a buddy come and do a drone. We and again, it was COVID, so we didn't. We like to say how this movie was done without a handshake. Because we never mm. saw anybody, it was like in Whoa. person. Like the f only yeah. film in history to be done without a handshake. Without a hand, yeah. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was great. And uh, Adrian Holmes has a nice little piece in it. Love and it. Um, Rikia plays my wife. So, <gasps> wow. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, love yeah. that. Wow. It, it's, it's great. And for Anthony Hopkins to be a part of it, um, just takes it to the next but level. But you call him was, Tony, right? You, you still call him Tony? He's Tony, your friend who likes boxing? T-Bone, T-Bone. T-Bone now. Wow, <laughs> really, our, our relationship there is really yo, developing. Yo, T-Bone, <laughs> let me see that Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even close. You, you know, Alex, I mean, I have interviewed you, and we've also spoken, just as friends, many times over the years. And... I keep coming back to, to this idea about success and I love to check in when, especially after a period of, of success where you get something that you thought that you wanted, you know, I mean, in the last couple of years, you've had success, you know, you, I mean, and you are now you've wrapped Van Helsing, which was, I mean, that was a pretty fucking big deal, right? You know, yeah. so you, you are, I mean, you have been for a long time, successful how, how how has your idea of success changed since the last time i asked you about success <laughs> has, has oh, it changed at all in the last year especially given the specter of covid hanging over everything mm. you know where our very survival is on the line and not everybody has made it you know and mm -hmm. we have to have had to adapt just to do the things that we love to do. Has that changed mm -hmm. what your idea of success is at all? Well, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I think when we first spoke about success, to me it was obviously working on good things, but sustaining a, a, a livable life and mm. being able to do what you love to do and afford to do it in the way you would love to live. Mm. Not uh, not uh, like I'm not a very out of the means type thing. I'm not talking about jets or anything like that. I'm just talking about being able to go home, buy the food that you want to buy, go places you want to go to and sustain that. Yeah. And I thought that was something like, well, once I get to this spot, I can have it. <clears throat> but what I really what really came along with it was um, you just got to fall in love with the hustle. Cause mm. that's, that's what happens and, and give yourself a break because 
your, your mental health is the most important thing. I, I'm a firm believer of um, energy creates opportunity. Mm. I, lo- I love to fill the space with positive energy and I love to say yes. I mean, being on the couch watching Tiger King and then being asked to do a Zoom movie when I felt like, okay, the whole world stopped. I kind of want to stop for a second. But I said yes, because I just felt like there was going to be there was it was going to be a special thing. And Anthony Hopkins came much later in the project. So I, I, it's one of those things where I'm just so grateful of, of having that energy to say yes and working with people that I absolutely love. And that turns into the success that that is palpable. The financial success comes later. If I can enjoy my time and do good work with people that I love, because we've all worked with people who we we don't connect with. Oh man, there's nothing more than having that. To me, that success. Like Van Helsing, extremely successful because I developed some amazing relationships. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's that, I used to think it was all about the gigs and the money and, and it's the life experience and the hustle and just hoping that you can sustain yourself in this type of an industry where you can keep doing what you love to do without any regret. What do you want now? I, I want, I, there's something about creating something and Simon Barry showed me this too. You know, like when I did Continuum in the last season, one of my best friends, Victor Webster, was the lead of the show. And I became friends with Simon and there was something about Simon's energy and that smile that you just go, I, I, I love this man. And when people, when we were working on season, the last season, and, and somebody said, Simon's on his way to set, who's the creator, the showrunner, everyone lit up. Mm. Like when you look around, everyone lit up. And when he got on set, everyone was just joyful and wanted to do their work. And he created something that had everyone there having the most amazing time. And I've been in situations where somebody came into the room and everyone just kind of like, just froze. His energy, and I, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to create a show or work, work on a show as part, partly a creator to bring people together and, and see like people evolve. He, he sat back and just watched people have careers in that show. And he's doing that with Warrior Nun now. And, oh, and so good. It's such a good show. That but also that, I watched the, towards the beginning of the pandemic. Same, same, <laughs> same. I went right through. Yeah. Um, um, but that's that. That's the next step for me is that I would love to, you know, emulate uh, Simon and that energy and, and create something that people would love to be a part of. And are you do? You don't have to tell me what, but are you doing stuff right now to br- to bring yourself closer? There's uh, there's. There's definitely a few things I'm doing, and, and I'm very much a team player. Yeah. Um, I thrive more with working with people. Mm. And so there's a few things that are out there that I'm, I'm uh, a few irons in the fire that I'm very excited to, to hopefully get that opportunity. You ready to play favorite things? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know Let's if you're go. actually ready, but... Um, as listeners know, as you should know, Favorite Things was developed by uh, then nine-year-old, now 10-year-old, double digits, Mariana Firminger. And it is a game where I ask my guests what their favorite things are of a thing. 
and they're supposed to answer very quickly without thinking too much. Please don't do what Tomo did and just say things that aren't his favorite thing. I asked him what his favorite cartoon character is. He said, Tom. And then he's like, wait, which one is that? Is that the cat or the mouse? And I was like, what? That's not your favorite? He's like, no, you just told me to say stuff. So don't just, it's not just words. It's right favorite thing. Okay. okay. But now this, you, do, you do need a second for it to regi register. You need right? a second for it to register and, and then speak as quickly and as you can. And then spit it. Yeah. Um, it. For me, the joy comes in watching my guests have that moment of panic. These top thespians <laughs> and filmmakers in our industry having a panic sure. because I've asked them what their favorite theme song is. And uh, Sarah Canning had beautiful panic and then sang me uh, the theme song from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So, oh, that's a good uh, one. That was a good one, but I'm not asking you that question, so that can't Damn, be your answer. I was already thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> although the, the first question is actually inspired by Chained. So, okay. You ready to play? Ready to play. Okay. Favorite board game? Monopoly. Really? Didn't really seem like a monopoly a guy. It took, takes a really long time to play and you get mm. to see people lose their shit. Oh, that is very revealing. All right. Favorite song to sing alone in the car? Um, you are so beautiful. Oh, that is so revealing. It's because my dad always says that and he sings it with an accent, so it never can get out of my head. <laughs> you are so beautiful to me. Uh, cannot you see? <laughs> and now it's in all our heads. Thank you very much. You're Alex welcome. and Mr. Ponovic. All right. Favorite 1980s action film? Favorite 19... Karate Kid. I love that you're like, Karate Kid. Like, of course that's the answer. That is Mari's favorite action film. Uh, 1980s I'm film. I'm not... Yeah. I'm with her. Her I'm very right favorite her. 1980s film of all right now is The Outsiders. She is obsessed. Oh, oh she's a, oh, No way. That's awesome. Very. Do, who is your favorite outsider? Do you have a favorite? Patrick Swayze. Okay. I don't remember yeah. which one he was. There, I mean, I what? haven't watched. He was the big brother. Oh, he was the big brother. So that's, is that Dairy? Dolly? Soda Pop? It's, it's, no, it's, it's <laughs> Soda pop, maybe it's soda pop, but it, it was uh, um, it was Pony Boy's brother. Okay, By the she'll way, be I very impressed. Mari is very happy right now. I, I can see Good. into the future when she's listening. All right. Good. Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present, that you haven't appeared in? Oh, X Files. I can't believe you were into the X Files. That's a perfect show for you. Wasn't in it. Yeah. I, I if remember you... going, I, I, went, I went to an audition for X-Files oh, and I was did. just so excited, so excited that I walked in there and I, and I had my two pages of sides and I was so confident. I left the sides on the table and I walked in and blanked right out. And I, I, I forgot everything. And I, and I basically did, I should go now, huh? She goes, yeah, you should go now. I'm, All right. <laughs> I walked out, grabbed my sides and walked home going, what the heck was that? That was my, like one of the first auditions I had. It wasn't meant to be. You weren't ready for it. It wasn't then. meant to be. Yeah. I and wasn't. You knew it. Yeah. No. Okay. I needed to go through that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, if you could do it now, though, what kind mm -hmm. of character would you want to play? Oh, my God. Have you ever had uh, Karen on the show? Um, Which Karen? Karen Holness? She, she, no. Uh, um, oh, Karen Conneval. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> she she did it. I would love to do that. She so, was phenomenal. Karen first played two characters, and then she played those two characters. Like then she played four characters, and it was on the same episode. Yeah, she's a genius. I, I would love she's to get her on this insanely. show. She's a genius, but she's so oh. very very busy. Because um, you worked with her on uh, on Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and Snowpiercer. And Snowpiercer. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Okay, yeah. moving on. Favorite app. Favorite app. Yeah. Uber Eats. Oh, really? Is that a pandemic thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but you just hit a thing and you got all this food coming to your house. It's pretty fun. It's pretty glorious. Okay, what it <laughs> It's magic. No, like, so magic. what is your, what is your favorite food to have delivered? Uh, it's always crap. Like, it's always like, I'll never go to the store and buy junk food, but I'll sit here and, and or actually I'll tell you the truth. I did it last night watching a hockey game and was looking for munchies and I just got, um, um, uh, Doritos, a big bag of Doritos. And I was like, I can't just get a bag of Doritos and have somebody come here for five bucks. So I got a couple of chocolate bars and gave him a nice tip. But it, when it comes to your door and you're just like, this is great, but it's that dangerous. so extravagant to have that. So I felt, I felt like such a boss during the pandemic, during lockdown, when I had, um, I think it was, it was Skip the Dishes, it was an Uber Eats, but when I had a, a couple of Dairy Queen blizzards and Dilly Bars oh, yeah. delivered to the door, and I'm like, I'm bawling. Like that, this is yeah. it, this is the life. Um, I, I was yeah. back, I was back <laughs> close to doing the same thing, but it was gonna take 30 minutes, but the other stuff took 20 minutes, so I went for the 20 minutes. <laughs> Favorite junk food? Uh, do, you, do you consider pizza junk food? Mm, yeah, like Honestly, North American pizza, I guess. I mean, if you're in Europe, it's not junk food. If you're in Italy. Um, right. If you're in Napoli. I, I, <laughs> I'm a carb guy. I, I, love, I love chips. I love, I love chips. So, like, that would be my favorite junk food. I'm not crazy about chocolate or candy, but chips man i can go forever with chips yeah me and chips have had a long road during the pandemic we're, we're taking a bit of a break for now <laughs> um favorite screen partner favorite screen partner it's mean eh it's a mean question um I, honestly because of the time i spent with her i would say rakia oh as as a screen partner, yeah, absolutely. As a like somebody that's uh, a, a, a movie star, I would say uh, Keanu, well Hopkins, and then Keanu. Andy Serkis so, though was a pretty good one. Those Andy are Serkis all amazing. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, some, can I ask you about Keanu? Is he like? Yeah. Is he like the real, like, you know, because there are all these memes real. about like sad Keanu or there's this idea that he is the, ni 
nicest, nicest, nicest person, you know, so kind and like too nice for his own good. Like, was that your experience with him at all? Or did he like beat you up in the bathroom or something? Let me tell you a couple quick little stories about Keanu. Epic. So he never liked sitting in his trailer. He always sat outside of his trailer in just a chair. And he didn't have this energy of, I want to talk to people. He was, you could see he's just wanting to be alone. And it was that energy of everyone just leaves him alone. He would have a, a cigarette and a protein shake. Mm-hmm. And out at the, at the time I was doing some work for a sports uh, supplement company in Winnipeg called Kaizen. And I was like, it would be pretty great if I can get him to have Kaizen, but I don't want to be that guy, you know? Yeah. So I, I just gradually said, I go, uh, hey man, what kind of protein powder is that? He goes, uh, I, I don't know, just just something one of the crew got. I went, look, I got this great stuff. I'll, I'll drop it off. He goes, what, what do you mean, swag? I went, yeah, I'll drop off a, a big swag box. I love swag. I went, great. So I drop it off. He's drinking it. What do you think? He goes, I like it. He goes, I like it. You want me to take a picture with you with it? I went, yeah. <laughs> and then, so I've got the camera. He's holding this Kaizen thing. And I'm, he goes, uh, what, what do you want me to do? I went, uh, just kind of hold it out. He goes, okay. And he fixes his hair and he goes, Kaizen. And I sent it to the company. They lost their shit. So for him to do that, super generous, because he yeah. knows what it would mean to some people. And it was a Winnipeg company. He wanted to support a Winnipeg company. And then we were then separate. We were shooting in the forest. And we, we, we did this rehearsal and he was so lovely, like, like just really wasn't commanding the, the, the setup of how we should do it, but was really suggesting. And so it never felt like he was telling us what to do. Yeah. And, and, and so now we block the scene and they go, okay, you guys can, um, we'll be like five minutes setting up the shot. So everyone goes to their cast chairs that are set up in this forest. And Keanu walks about 50 feet, sits on a log all by himself and is just having a smoke. And I'm like, He's the coolest motherfucker I've ever seen. Like yeah. just how cool he was to just, I'm going to go have a, have a chill. So he, he was great. He, he was great. Those are my Keanu. That stories. completely tracks with everything that I've heard about Keanu. So yeah, he's great. All right. I think he might be the best Canadian. I think he might yeah. be. Tied with Alex Pond. Wait. Of course. There you go. Drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. okay last question from mari before i let you go today i love mari yeah mari loves you too she's like make sure you say hi to the big guy i'm like i'll say hi to the big guy guy." (laughs) well and can i say like what i and before i ask you mari's final question like it says a lot because when Mari first met you, she's 10 now. She's double digits. When she wow. first met you, though, she was like very newly three, you know, yeah. and she's, she's tiny. Wow. She's a big girl now. She's really tall and strong. Yeah. Um, but there was something about your energy. Like she just, she wanted to climb all over you, you know? And I yeah. think that speaks like, I think kids and, and like animals, like they can recognize, you know, <laughs> Good energy, bad energy, right? So, and you got the good energy. That's how I knew you were the real uh, deal. I love it because uh, I love hanging out with her. It was uh, we we were at uh, we were at the Delaney's. That's right. That's where we did the first interview. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. And she also um, has loved uh, throwing snowballs at you and Whistler. Yeah, and, that's um, right. and then there was a time where you were just throwing her and a bunch of kids around because that's how Alex <laughs> likes to spend his free time. Okay. That's last right. question from Favorite last question. Okay. This is for Mari, the most important question. The most revealing question. You're ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ready. Favorite animal. It's a big deal, right? Favorite it is dog. a big deal. And I, and I want to say dog. dogs are my favorite for sure. But yeah. if you were saying absolute favorite. I'm saying absolute favorite. A chimp. I, l- I love chimps. Yeah. I love chimps. Yeah. Um, have you had the chance to interact with chimps at all? or Once. Once really? in a very brief moment. And it was awesome because this chimp just came right up to me and, and kind of, <laughs> it felt like a massage. Like, I, like my brain was going, oh my God, like he just wants to massage me. Pretty sure he was, he was something else was going on. But to me, it was a connection. <laughs> you don't know what else, but something else was going on. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Not everybody was, in the uh, world can say that though. That's. No, no, but uh, I'm definitely, uh, I'm, you know, if it's a favorite, favorite thing of something that I've uh, had a bunch of contact with, dogs, for sure. Dogs are awesome. Big dogs or little dogs? dogs? No, we don't deserve dogs. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love medium dogs. And sometimes these little dogs are hilarious. But the, the big dogs, I, I know they're pain. So mm. <laughs> we'll, bo- we'll both be get- having a hard time getting off up the couch. And I was like, I can't have you like that, too. <laughs> Alex, you'll come back and do the podcast again, right? Like, I haven't scared you off. Yes. Okay, good. Why would you scare me off? Absolutely. I don't know. I like give you a lot of shit and stuff. Like, from my heart. It's the best part. With it's, love. it's all the okay, best part. Okay, good. Okay, good. This is amazing. <laughs> but never interview Tom before me, but go ahead. Listen, you were a presence that was looming over those two and a half... Actually, more than two hours. The man likes to talk, uh, and so do you. I don't know how you each get a word in edgewise, frankly. Well, uh, he listens to everything I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Alex Ponovic, where can our fans – oh, drinking game. Find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social media. Uh, Facebook, it's uh, Alex Ponovic fans. And then uh, Twitter and Instagram is Alex Pon, A-L-E-K-S-P-A-U-N. Thank you. Yeah, guy. Twitter or Instagram. Thank you. I love seeing you. I know no, no one knows that we're looking at each other right now, but seeing your face has been glorious. So thank you. I enjoy your face as well. Uh, and I can't wait to share space with you again very, very, so- very soon. Soon. Let's do it. So soon. All right. To our listeners, thank you. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you're so inclined. They'll help us find even more listeners and bring more people into the conversation. You can find watch us- Watch Change, watch Change, watch Change. And watch Change right now on VOD uh, and also Super Channel, right? You can watch it on Super Channel in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, as for us, you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and is edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad. 
to Paul Furminger for technical support and to Dane, not Furminger Davile for the original music. YBR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! In the current COVID-19 environment, UBCP ACTRA, the BC Performers Union in the film and TV industry, has been working closely with industry partners, formulating sensible and practical guidelines for all cast and crew to ensure working on set is manageable and safe for everyone. UBCP ACTRA has created a dedicated COVID-19 webpage at www.ubcpactra.ca where members can find mental health resources, financial assistance information, and back-to-work strategies and updates about the current status of film production in the province of British Columbia. UBCP ACTRA knows this has been an extraordinarily difficult time for many people, and we look forward to better days ahead. We will get through this together. Please visit www.ubcpactra.ca. A message from UBCP ACTRA.